right, well, let's go ahead and go to Jeremiah chapter 10 tonight. Jeremiah chapter 10. Tonight I'm, I'm preaching on a subject I think is very important. And I'm going to give you some stuff tonight. This might be, I don't know, I, ho- I hope it's not too much. But, um, you know, I'm, try- I'm tired of trying to help people and trying to make things better and not able to just give people the straight truth. You know, and sometimes there's some things that's it's tough to receive. And, you know, you want to be nice. You don't want to upset anybody. But you know what? Sometimes it's like as, as pastors, we are asked to find solutions, you know, for situations. But it's like, you know, I, I want you to tell me how I can fix this problem. But you're not allowed to tell me this and this and this and this. And all those things we're not allowed to tell them are the actual solutions to the problem. And... Uh, I want to talk tonight about raising a biblical family, you know, raising a family, uh, you know, a godly family, a Christian family, and how to do it in an American culture. Because there are things that are challenge, are going to be uh, extra challenges to us living in America. Now, I do believe it can be done. I believe you can raise a good family in America. I believe it's very possible. But I guess I, what I want to do, I want to point out, you know, what some of these challenges are and some things that you are going to have to overcome. And I'm afraid that we have just accepted the American way of doing things is just the way to do things. And it's not. It's actually, you know, there are some things that everybody does that we shouldn't do. And if we are going to do them, you know, we're going to have the same problems everybody else does. And so, um, you know, I'm not going to try. I, I, man, I'm not a mean preacher. I don't like being mean. I, I really don't. Uh, I know I might fool you sometimes. I might look like I'm enjoying it. But sometimes when I, it's like, you know, if I've got to be mean, I might find a creative way to do it to where it's fun. It's like, if i got to do this, I'm going to enjoy it. You know, when I used to teach in the school, uh, I used to find creative ways to punish the kids, and it's like, because as a teacher, you got to be mean, okay? And I don't like being mean. It goes against my nature. So I would find fun ways to be mean, which made me seem even more mean, but it's like, hey, if i got to do this, I'm going to enjoy it, okay? <laughs> and so, um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not even going to try to enjoy being mean tonight. I just, I'm just going to try to tell you the truth, and I hope, uh, hope nobody gets offended by anything that's said in here. Because some of the things I'm going to talk about, too, that you should do or you shouldn't do. If you don't do some of these things, or if you are doing some of these things I talk about, I don't believe they're necessarily sins. Okay, I don't believe some of the things I'm going to talk about are necessarily sins if you do them. But at the same time, if you do them, there's going to be some extra challenges that you're going to have to face and some things you're going to have to deal with that you probably don't want to. But look at Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. Okay, now, if you understand when God told Israel this, who did the land of Israel belong to? Who belonged to Israel, didn't it? They had the authority to drive the heathen out of their land, didn't they? And God, because and God wanted them to do that because He did not want them learning the way of the heathen. If they would have had the heathen dwelling among them worshiping their gods, doing the things that the heathen do, Israel would have picked up on it and they would have 
uh, ended up doing those very things themselves. And, it, and if you read the history of the Bible, Israel never would drive out all of the heathen. And you know what would happen? They would pick up on the things that the heathen did and they would do what the heathen would do. They would worship their gods and commit all their abominations. And God didn't even want them learning about their ways. Okay? And so like we talked about last week, you know, there were some things that were different for Israel back then because they were in a different situation, a different time, that are, and they're different for us today. And I believe it's important for us not to learn the way of the heathen, but at the same time, we live in America, don't we? And we're not allowed to drive out the heathen, are we? I mean, can you imagine if we as a church got together and said, you know what? We're claiming Rock Falls for us. And we're driving out all the heathen. Well, first of all, we're going to have a tough time because we are greatly outnumbered. And, you know, and second of all, God hasn't called us to do that, has He? We've not been called to drive the heathen from us. We've been called to actually be among them, to go out among the heathen and to give them the Gospel. And we thank God there were people like the apostles that did that, that went out amongst the heathen, gave them the Gospel, people in those heathen nations got saved, and you know what? We all are a product of that today. All of us, you know, we descend from heathen cultures, and but yet we are saved today because of Christian people who went out in the world, like the Bible said, and is, and and we're here today. Okay, so understand, it was important though that Israel did not learn the way of the heathen because it was going to end up affecting them. But God has told us to go into all the world. And the truth is, we are going to know the ways of the heathen. But the problem with knowing the way of the heathen is it's not the knowledge of it, but it's actually doing the things that the heathen do. That's what God didn't want them doing. And even though today there's almost no way we are not going to be able to learn the way of the heathen, we don't have to live the ways of the heathen. We don't have to be like the heathen. We have the Scriptures. The Scripture tells us how it's going to end for the heathen. It tells us what the heathen does. It tells us what a believer should do. And we have the ability, because we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, that even though we live among the heathen, we don't have to be like the heathen. Okay? We've got, we have something that they didn't have. We've got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. So just keep that in mind. I just kind of want you to see the difference. Then go over to Psalms 135, chapter 13. Psalm 135, chapter 13. Because you know, I don't believe that America is a Christian nation anymore. I believe we started out like one, but I think we are a majority heathen nation today in America, and uh, it's we're becoming a smaller minority all the time. But verse 13 says, "Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge His people, and He will repent Himself concerning His servants." The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. Okay, the idols of the heathen. That, this is something that man came up with. This is something that they thought up. It's something that they put together. It's the work of their hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Okay? They're like them. Now, why are they like their idols? Well, because this is something they came up with. This is something they made themselves, and they're like these idols, and they're also like them in the sense that they have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. It's like there's just you can't get truth across to these people because they're so caught up in the work of their hands. They're so into this heathen 
this heathenism that it's hard to teach them truth. And the truth is the American way, the typical American family, the way Americans do everything anymore, it's not based off the Bible. It's based off American culture. It's based off the gods that they serve and what God is served in America more than any God today. And it's the God of money, isn't it? I mean, it's all about the money. You want to find out why people do most of the things they do? It's about their God. It's about money. Okay? And you can say there's the gods of pleasure and all those things, but what helps you to serve the gods of pleasure and all those things? What do you need? What God needs to be first in your life? If you're going to have the gods of pleasure and all those, well, you've got to have money, don't you? Everything costs something in America. And so there are... and so. Uh, there are definitely some challenges that come with raising a family that are, is based on biblical principles when living in America. And whether we like it or not, the government is it's involved in almost every aspect of our lives, and it's often a huge obstacle that we have to overcome. I mean, there are. I just I, I want to point out that I recognize these challenges. Okay, the government is a huge obstacle that we have to come overcome. And one of the reasons it's hard, one of the big problems we face in America is this one-size-fits-all mentality when it comes to everything, okay? You know, we, our federal government now is deciding how things should be done in all 50 states. That's a problem, okay? What works in one state is not going to work in another state. What works in the city does not necessarily work in the country. Okay? We were never supposed to have such a big overreaching government like we do today. I believe in smaller government. I think that's an important thing. And when Congress is passing laws or creating tax codes, whatever they're doing, they typically base things on the average family, don't they? they and we're not like the average family, most Christians. My family, we are not like the average family. And it ends up, a lot of their laws end up greatly hurting people sometimes. But they don't care because it's, you know, it fits the average family. It will help the most people. And in defense of the government, I'd like to say that, you know, we're in the mess today, not because of the government, but because of families not doing what families are supposed to do. You see, what's happened. You know, think about how much cheaper things would be if we took care of things ourselves. Like, okay, the taking care of the elderly. Okay, nursing homes are very, very expensive, aren't they? They're very expensive. But think about it. If families took care of the elderly and their family for as long as they possibly could, wouldn't that be a whole lot cheaper? I mean, you know, my parents, they're not old enough to need to be taken care of yet. But, you know, I can't imagine an elderly person costing that much money. But yet, look how much it costs to take care of them in these nursing homes. You know why? Because there's all kinds of regulations in these nursing homes. They've got to have all, you know, so many staff. They've got to have so much space. They've got to have all these things that are up to code. There's a lot of things that they have to do, and it gets really expensive. And what And the reason it's expensive, too, family members don't want to pay it. And so a lot of times it ends up the state takes care of it, doesn't it? Well, if the state takes care of it, 
you know, now where are they going to get that money from? Well, they got to get it, you know, through taxes. They got to get it from everybody. And if the state's involved, there's more regulation. And then a lot of times states don't want to take care of things. So it goes to the federal government. And when it goes to the federal government, there's even more regulation. There's more middlemen. There's all these people overseeing everything. And the price just swells and swells and swells like you wouldn't believe. Everything costs more when the government has to take care of it. And individual families, they don't want to do the things that they should do anymore. They've demanded that the government gets involved. And things are horribly expensive today. And here's the thing too. If you decide, you know what, I don't want to be responsible and I don't want to take care of my own responsibilities, and let's say you give, you pass it off to me. Okay? If you decide, you know what, I don't want to take care of my finances anymore, Brother Tommy can take care of me. I promise if I have to take care of you, I'm going to tell you what to do. If I have to pay your bills, I'm going to tell you where to set your thermostat. I mean, that's how controlling I'm going to be. If I have to pay your bills, I'm going to tell you how much you can drive and where you can go. I'm going to tell you, if I got to pay your medical bills, I'm going to tell you what food you can eat and what you can't eat. And isn't that exactly what our government's doing today? Why? Because we've got them involved. They, they're the ones that are educating our kids. So they tell us what they're going to teach our kids and what they're going to learn. And we don't, and people like me, I don't like these things. And so I've decided that, you know what, I'm going to separate myself from all these things. But then, because our tax codes and things, our policies don't fit that average family. The average family doesn't do that. I pay money for my kids' homeschool curriculum while at the same time, I pay taxes that pay for public schools that I don't send my kids to. Now, how is that fair? Now, if I want, I can just give up and say, you know what, forget it, forget homeschooling. I'm not paying for homeschooling. You know, I'm just going to send them there and let the government pay for it. But you know what? I'm just, I'm not ready to do that yet. And it's, it is an extra challenge. It is a financial burden to do these things. And I, I just want to look at some of these things that... American policies, I believe, have made difficult for people like myself to overcome. And people like you in here. And one thing that they've made it hard for is having a large family. Having a large family. Before I get into some of the Scripture, I want to read an absolutely ridiculous article that I read. Alright, listen to this. It's about family size in America. Are large families back? Listen to what it says. And it mentions Posh Spice, which I don't even know who that is. I had to look, look up who that was. Posh Spice has three. And she says she'd love more. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett have three. So do Tom Cruise, Angelina Jolie, and Madonna, thanks to adoption, with celebrities breaking the two-kid barrier. Big families suddenly seem as trendy as jumbo-sized sunglasses and handbags. Breaking the two-kid barrier. I mean, can you believe it? I mean, there are these people now that are having three kids. Isn't this crazy? I mean, big families are trendy now. They're big. Three kids. Okay, and here's the other thing too. The people that are using it as an example in this of having three kids and it being trendy are people who are mega millionaires. Okay? Mega millionaires. And if these, these people don't represent average America, do they? But boy... These people, they are above average because they're having three kids. 
And if you read news reports, you might think it's not just Hollywood, but regular American families that are going supersized. Get ready for the new baby boom, proclaims a recent headline from Life magazine. For more, for more parents, three kids are a charm, says USA Today. We've decided to cut through the buzz and find out whether big families really are on the upswing and are more important. If you're one of the 50% of baby center moms who want a big family, what life is like for multiple kid moms, here's what the experts, both the academic and the real mom kind, had to say. And, and you know, and it's like, are, you know, are big broods back? You know, and then not really. And it, and it goes into all these percentages of the thing. I'm not going to read all of it, but it's talking like three kids is just crazy. And in America, it that's you know, three kids is becoming less and less normal. And then I look at myself, and I'm like, I've got six kids. And the thing is, our tax codes and the way America kind of does everything, it's based off the average family, which is obviously less than three kids. So how does that work for me? How does that help me? Well, they've thought about those things, and they figured it all out. And so even, because here's, like at my house, even though I've got six kids, I pay the same in taxes that a couple with only one kid would pay if they were living in my house. So how's that fair? A larger percentage of my money is going to have to go to taxes than other people, but they figure that all out because they've got all these food stamp programs and they've got, they've got the uh, child tax credits that they do every year and the earned income credits. A lot of times it's based off how many kids you have. And they figured out all these things to level the playing field. And if you can figure all that stuff out and how it all works, it's basically ends up just the government wasting money. The government making things cost more. The government hurting everybody. And it's because they're trying to regulate stuff that they shouldn't do. And ultimately, these laws end up negatively affecting somebody who believes what the Bible says. Someone who believes Psalms 127, verse 3, that says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Reward? As arrows are in the hand of the mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. See, in America, when you have six kids, I mean, you're looked like it's some kind of freak show. I mean, you know, thankfully, TLC did the 19 kids and counting thing for a long time, and now you don't look like freaks unless you have, you know, 19 or more kids. It made it look somewhat normal to have a big family, but it's still weird. You know, we, you know, we get the looks. I'll never forget, we went to fireworks back when we lived in Utica, we only had four kids then, and it was we were walking down the street, and we go walking by this group, and everybody just stops and gets quiet and stares as we walk by. And it's like, have you never seen a well-dressed, large family before? I mean, it was just, it was like, you know, I mean, we literally are stopping traffic almost, you know? And it's like now with the six kids, I mean, you really see that and people think it's nuts. And then in America, too, if you start, if you mention you have six kids, people don't look at it like, man, are you a blessed person? You know what they think? How do you do anything? You know, how, how can you afford it? I was talking to a guy that I work with, and, you know, we were talking about my six kids, and I was talking about our grocery bill, and he couldn't believe it. I mean, it just blew his mind. But at the same time, he was telling me about how much they take out of taxes in his paycheck. 
you know, and I was blown away by that. You know, he said the government they're always, you know, trying to find a way to even everything out, and it's you know it's not right. But you know, according to the Bible, if you believe the Bible, if you have a biblical mindset, a large family is actually a blessing. But in America, it's looked at as an as a curse. You're a drain on society. You're overpopulating the world. They've been doing this for a long time. You can go back and see black and if you go on YouTube, you can watch black and white videos like PSAs put out by Disney with Donald Duck, you know, just encouraging people to get it, you know, women to go get birth control and all these things because we're going to destroy the planet if we have too many kids. And you know, the heathen, it's one thing for the heathen. But Christians, we ought to know better. We know what the Bible says. First Chronicles chapter twenty six verse four. Moreover, the sons of Obed Edom. Obed Edom, he was the guy that had the Ark of the Covenant in his house that the Lord blessed. And Obed Edom, he had Shimeah, the firstborn, Jehoshaphat the second, Joah the third, Sachar the fourth, Nethaniel the fifth, Amiel the sixth, Azakar the seventh, Peluthia the eighth, for God blessed him. Okay? It's naming off he has eight sons. What does the Bible call it? God was blessing him with all these children. And having a large family in America today, in the American economy, under an American tax code, I'm just going to tell you right now, it's a challenge. It's not easy. I mean, you know, I've act, you know, I look at how much money I make, and it's like, man, you know, I, I should be happy, but it's like, I'm always broke, you know, because I got a big family, and it is a challenge. It's not easy. In American culture, they also they tell you to wait to have kids, don't they? They're always like, and, and sadly, and it's one thing for an American culture to do that, but even preachers are encouraging their people, wait to have kids. Okay, now, remember, we believe the Bible. And it says in Psalms 127, verse 4, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Okay, that's a blessing, having them when you're young, okay? And so telling people to wait to have children... Not only does that, that not line up with the Bible, but it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make common sense. Because you know what? You know one of the reasons children are such a curse for people today? Because your average American couple, okay, and unfortunately Christians are too much like average people. If you are an average couple and you're married, okay, what is the wife going to probably do real quick after they get married? Well, she's going to get bored and she's going to get a job, isn't she? If the wife goes and gets a job, you all now are used to living on two incomes. Because do you think they're just going to save all that money that the wife makes? No, they're going to spend it because they're all watching television all the time too and seeing all the commercials for all the things they need to get. They're going to be getting this, you know, they're going to be getting the smartphones. Because she's got another job, they're going to have to have the two cars. I mean, they're going to... And, They've got all this extra money. Now they're, you know, you know what? We, hey, we can afford a better house. We can make a bigger house payment. And they're going to be, all their bills, how they, their budget, how they do everything is going to be based off of two incomes. And then they're going to maybe get pregnant accidentally. And now she's eventually going to have to quit her job, isn't she? And she's going to have to stay home and raise that kid. Now, they are going to go from two people living on two incomes to three people living on one income. And that's going to kill them. And if they, you know, and that's why young people said, I'm not saying if they're not, if they don't have kids, the wife can't go get a job. 
But if she is, they need to be responsible enough to save every dollar that she makes, not budget any of it into their, you know, in, into their budget because they are going to be thrown for a loop when that baby comes. And they are. And it's a, it's a financial disaster whenever that kid comes because they don't know how they're going. They're not going to scale back their standard of living. So, you know, they're not going to get rid of their smartphones. They're not going to cancel their cable. They're not going to sell one of those cars. They have a right to all of those things. You know, they're Americans. And what ends up happening, parents now are sacrificing children so they can have more things. So they can have an extra, you know, few extra square feet in a house. So they can have a nicer car so they can, you know, get the better cable package or whatever it is. And I think all of those things can be a curse and are not a blessing. And so American culture tells you to wait, but it doesn't make sense. Proverbs 5.15, Drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad in rivers of water in the streets. Let them be only thine own, and not a stranger's with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. And I don't want to go into detail on what all that means, but you know he's talking about rejoicing in the wife of the youth, and I believe that this passage is talking about God... You know, rejoicing, being blessed, and I believe it's referring to having kids. It's wanting you to do it, and it says with the wife of your youth. But that is not what people are being taught. That is not what American culture tells you. They say wait till you're in your 30s to have kids, and even preachers are telling their people that. You know, they're teaching they're teaching college students this, and I I do not I, I don't believe that. I believe the Bible says something different, and. Young, people, young couples are struggling like crazy today more than ever, and I believe it's because they're waiting too long to have kids. And why do they do it? They're, they're acting like Americans. So, you know, American culture, they tell you you can't afford to have a big family. And you know what? That's true if you're the average family that wastes its money on foolishness. Okay? If you're the average American family, you've spent money this week on Powerball. Because you can see, so you have a chance of winning $900 million or whatever it was. The average American family, they buy lottery tickets. The average American family, they buy, they buy beer. They buy, you know, they buy cigarettes. They buy you know, drugs now, you know, marijuana, all these things that are just a waste. The average American family, you know, they are deeply, deeply in debt because they couldn't wait to save up for something because they're trying to keep up with the Smiths and the Joneses. And they're spent a lot of their money's going towards interest payments and you know fees on things that are just absolutely ridiculous. The average American family they have you know hundred dollar cable packages and two hundred dollar a month cell phone bills, all things that you don't have to have. That's what the average American family does. And you know what? They're, the the people doing these studies they're not going to tell you that's why people are struggling. It's going to be because of kids. Because you think the cell phone companies want you cutting back on your cell phone use? Do you think the cable companies want you getting rid of the cable? No. You know they've convinced us these are all necessities. If you don't have all these things, you know you're a victim living in poverty. And I'm telling you right now, I just you know I don't really care. You know there's a lot of those things that I don't have because yeah I can't afford it. I've got six kids. I can't afford $100 a month for satellite so I can sit around even more and watch more TV. You know, I don't have time to watch that much TV because I'm too busy working trying to pay for all those kids. 
And I don't know, I think hard work builds more character than keeping up with all the TV shows. I just, I really do. I could, I could be wrong on that, but I think I'm probably right. So, you know, having a large family, it's clear in the Bible that's a blessing. It's a good thing that will help you. I mean, you're going to be a happy person, the Bible says. But American culture says no, and most Christians have bought into it because that is the way we are as Americans. And unfortunately, we have quit being Christians. We've quit being God's people, and we've been Americans. And we just need to get over it. And I believe also our government has made it difficult to have well-educated and morally pure children. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Uh, if you want, it's... Uh, Oh, I put that in my notes. Yeah, turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Turn it real quick. I want to point something out to you in there. But the Bible tells us in that passage, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Okay? That nurture, it, the, what that word means is tutorage, education or training, uh, disciplinary correction, chastening, chastisement, instruction, nurture. Okay, it says fathers do that. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition. Admonition, it means a calling attention to. Mild rebuke or warning. And, I, if, you know, I understand public school said if you're an American, it is hard to homeschool your kids. You know, a lot of times mom and dad is both working. They can't afford it financially. Understand that's because we're acting like Americans. We're living like Americans. But here's the thing. You know, it's up to the family, first of all, to teach their children the Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9, it talks about, you know, talking about these things when you sit down, when you're lying down, when you're walking, whatever you're doing. Talk about these things all the time with your family. Fathers, we're supposed to do that. Unfortunately, because we're like Americans, even Christian people in churches, They've given the training of biblical things over to the kid's Sunday school teacher. They've given it over to the pastor. It is up to parents to teach their kids the Bible. It's up to the families to make sure their children are well educated. Because you know, even in the public school system today that spends thousands of dollars a year per kid, many kids slip through the cracks, don't they? Many kids can go through public school and not even know how to read. That's becoming more and more common all the time. Many times, and the ones who usually get more attention are the ones who do have more involved parents, ones who talk to the teachers. But most parents today just, all right, here, take my kids for eight hours a day so I can go, you know, do whatever, teach them. And then, but it's also up to parents to be the ones to train them and to discipline them. Okay? You know, you can't, you cannot teach kids anything without discipline. You cannot teach kids anything without punishment. Kids are naturally ADD. And here's the thing. I don't want people that I hardly know punishing my kids. I don't want public school teachers spanking my kids. I don't want, I don't want them doing that. I don't want them laying a hand on my kids. But here's the thing. My kids aren't going to learn anything without some discipline. So why would I ask them to train my kids when I won't allow them to have the tools necessary to train children. Listen, foolishness, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction driveth it 
far from Him. And so we've told them, take my little fool, make him wise, but don't you use a rod on him. Now, if you don't want your, a school teacher spanking your kid, I'm with you, but then you probably shouldn't ask them to train your kid or to educate your kid. It's just not going to work. And we wonder why you know, classrooms are you know, just a disaster and kids aren't learning anything because the teachers aren't allowed to teach them. Some of these teachers are smart people. They've had all kinds of college education teaching them how to you know, teach kids and uh, you know, be good instructors and stuff like that, but they've taken away one of the main tools that are needed to teach a child anything, and that is the rod of correction. There is no board of education in the school. And I think you know what I'm talking about. The board of education that's applied to the seat of knowledge. And I think you probably know what I'm talking about. And they need that. And so, uh, you know, I've refused. I refuse to let people I don't know spank my kids. So I refuse to let them to ask them to teach my kids. And so, uh, I want my kids to have good education. I want to make sure. There's so many kids, you know, some of these classrooms are so full, they're not going to be able to give my child the attention that they need. But, and here's the thing too, parents, a lot of them who have their kids there are complaining about that and they want the schools to do things better. But here's the thing, if the schools are going to be, do things better, what are they going to ask for? More money. That means taxes go up. Well, we all complain about that too. We want them to train our kids, educate our kids when they're not allowed to discipline them and we want them to do it without raising our taxes, not going to happen. can't be done. And me, I've decided I'm not using it and yet I still have to pay taxes. And that's a challenge. That's difficult. When I look at my tax bill, most of my tax bill is money going to the public school that I refuse to send my kids to. That doesn't seem fair, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to deal with it. And one of the main reasons, too, is because I want to, it's up to me to make sure my children are morally pure and protected. You know how hard it is to be morally pure in a public school when even if the school's a good school and your teachers are good teachers, some of these kids that go to the school are from horrible homes and are just animals, for lack of a better term. And, you know... They have to accept everybody in these schools. And kids are learning things from other kids that they should not know about. Things that they shouldn't learn. And you know, and then you know, not and you know, they've already got the sex education and stuff that goes on there. I refuse to let my teachers or my kids get taught that by somebody I don't know, by some stranger. I'm, I refuse to let them learn that stuff at a young age. I want them to be pure in their minds. I want them to be pure of heart. And they are introducing these things to kids way too young. And you know why they're introducing these things to kids way too young? Because most kids that go into the public school, they already know a ton about that stuff because of the homes they live in, because of the television that they watch. And some of these kids actually do need to be taught some things and do need to be warned about the consequences of their actions. But my kids who are raised in a home where they don't watch those things, where they don't know those things, it's not going to work for them. It's not going to help them. You see, what many kids in the public school need, actually do need, my children don't need. 
what would actually help many heathen children would actually hurt my children. And I'm just trying to show how if if you live according to biblical principles, certain things in this country they just they're not even made to work for you. Our our laws, our schools are not designed to accommodate a Christian family that lives based on biblical principles. And so we've got to sometimes maybe just reject some of these things. You know, it's a, a policy in America to teach children that immorality and perversion is good. You know, they have to teach them now. You know, if, if they have homosexual tendencies, that that's okay. They're, and they're also taught that corporal punishment is bad. And drugging kids up is good. If you've got a behavior problem, you don't need a spanking. You need drugs. And we wonder why we've got so many drug addicts today. We wonder why we've got so many just you know, brain-dead, lethargic kids that don't want to do anything. They're so medicated, it's not even funny. And we're, you know, we're trying to... You know, I, you know, don't ask me to help you with your child that's already on all kinds of drugs. It's not... You know, kids aren't... Nobody's made to be on drugs. God didn't make us that way. It's not natural. And so that brings us to the third thing that we need to do that's hard in America, and that's having a healthy family. Okay. Now, I'm not one of these health police or anything like that, but I want to read a few verses in Proverbs to you. It is hard to have a healthy family in America. Okay. Things are, are very difficult for us. Uh, but Proverbs 21, verse 25 says, "...the desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor." Okay? You know one of the reasons that so many, that a lot of the health problems people have is because they're stinking lazy. You know what? You sit around, you watch TV, you drink junk, you, know, you eat you know, junk food, drink soda all day, you're going to have health problems. And it's going to, eventually, it's going to cause you to have emotional problems too. But the Bible says his hands refuse to labor. Well, you know what? These days, if you work kids too hard, you can get busted for child abuse. And you know, I think letting a kid sit around playing video games, eating junk food all day, that ought to be child abuse. Not having your kid go out and mow the grass in the summertime and get all hot and sweaty and dirty. I think that kind of thing is good for him. The Bible says in Proverbs 26.14, As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. A lazy person doesn't sleep good. I can't figure out why my kids can't sleep. Well, you know why? It's because they're not tired. They're not, they don't do anything all day. They sit around. They're lazy. Listen, you go out and you work your kid to death, half to death, not to death, half to death, they're going to sleep good that night. They're going to sleep just fine. But when you're lazy, you're not going to be able to sleep. And we don't have time to go into all the verses in Proverbs about the slothful. But slothful people, lazy people, have some severe health problems. They have emotional problems. And you know what? We will sacrifice our children's health by giving them anything the government says is okay. You know, if they're having behavioral problems, we'll take whatever drugs they say. You know, give them the Ritalin, give them whatever. You know, we'll, I mean, we give them the shots, the antibi- you know, all the antibiotics, just, you know, the things that the grocery store tries to pass off as food. Okay? We give them all these things just because the government says it's okay. But listen, I'm... I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist, okay? I've not studied, you know, the effects of shots and all those things and what they can do. But at the same time, people like me 
who question the government's methods, who question all these things they're trying to give us, they look at me like I'm crazy, but wait a minute, our government says we came from monkeys. That's what they're teaching. They teach we evolved from monkeys. Our government believes, you know, in global warming and man made climate change. Okay? Our government believes that this universe just happened, okay? And I'm supposed I'm a government that comes to those conclusions, I'm supposed to just go along with whatever they say is healthy because some guy who calls himself a doctor says it's good. You know, even though people mankind has done fine for 6,000 years without those things, I'm told, you know, I'm supposed to just, you know, all their, you know, GMO, Monsanto food or whatever is completely okay, and yet I should be for a ban on milk from a cow that people have been drinking for thousands of years. You know, and at the same time, we're seeing all these crazy health things. We're seeing more cancer than ever. We're seeing all these weird diseases and, and things that people are getting. And I'm just supposed to go with whatever they say is fine. You know, I'm not going to do that. In fact, you know what? I'm not going to look to my government one bit to figure out what's healthy for my family. I'm going to do what the Bible says. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to keep punishing my kids. The Bible says they're not going to die from it. They won't die from it. It's good for them. You know, I'm going to go ahead and let my family eat real food. I think most people, if we would just go on a diet of real food, we would probably be a lot better off. And listen, I I eat my share of junk food. Okay, the soda companies, man, I'm addicted to high fructose corn syrup, just like most of America. But you know, just because the FDA says it's okay. I know I need to be careful. <laughs> I know I know I better watch it, and I pay the consequences. But you know, families they just need to, you know they need to get back back to having meals together, where they eat real food. People don't do that anymore. They're so lazy with their you know with their families. Ah, here's a TV dinner, that who knows what kind of stuff is in there, you know, just going through drive through all the time. I'm not saying you can't have a treat every once in a while and eat the junk food. McDonald's tastes good, okay? It tastes good. I'll admit it, but boy, that doesn't need to be our diet. But children, they need hard physical labor to do. In Genesis, we see that God told man, it was a result of sin, I know it was part of the curse, but He mentioned from the sweat of your brow, He mentioned you're going to sweat. I believe one of the health problems that we have in this country, my dad has said this for years, and science has come out and even said this too, one of the problems that we have with the health of people in America is we never sweat. We don't sweat. You know why? We're always in air conditioning in the summer, you know, heat in the winter. We're always used to just being in that perfect comfort and anything that brings us any discomfort, we reject, we get away from it, and we need to sweat. It's good for you. It gets toxins and things out of your body. And our young children today, I mean, the physical problems that young kids have, it's heartbreaking. And I think part of their problem is because they don't do anything. They don't do anything physical. And we expect our kids to be well-behaved while we live in a little cubicle in town somewhere so we can give them all the great things like internet, television, and video you know, all the video games they could ever want. But now they can't play outside and run around. And we wonder, 
you know, why they don't sleep good. We wonder why they can't concentrate. We wonder why they're struggling with obesity. And I'm telling you right now, these things were important to me. I've been, I've been watching this long enough. And, you know, my house that I have in the country, what I am paying for that three acres and that house is less than what many people pay for an apartment that they rent in town. A house and three acres, I'm paying less because I've kept my credit good enough where I'm actually able to buy a house. There's a lot of people that have terrible credit, and so they have to rent. They can't buy a house, and they are living in an apartment in town paying way more than they should. And you know what? I I can't get Internet out of my house because I live out in the country. I I wish I could get the Internet. And when we moved out there, we knew there was a chance... We weren't going to be able to get internet. But let me tell you something. I was terrified when I lived in town because we had such a small yard and my kids weren't able to go outside and play. We were right by a busy road. And I was terrified of my kids becoming a bunch of fat, lazy slobs just video gaming all the time and watching TV. And I was like, we have got to get out of here. I need to, we have to move to a place where they can run and play. We need to move to a place where I can actually give them some work to do. You know, we can't just put our little kids in a little hamster wheel. Have you ever seen those hamsters? My kids have hamsters. They go in those wheels and they just run and it's like, I go crazy in there. And you know, I think people are going crazy because that's how we are. If we're going to do anything, you know, we've got to do it. We, you know, the kids are going to run. They've got to do it on a treadmill. Well, that's boring. They need to go outside and they need to run. They need to climb a tree. They need to fall out of that tree and they need to break their arm. And when they do that, it will you know, teach them you know, to be careful. It will toughen them up a little bit. They need to go out into the woods and they need to get poison ivy and they need to get you know, tore up by thorns and things and they need to fall down and they need to get bruised and you know, they, they need these things to happen to them. It is good for them. It will, it will teach them to be tough. It will teach their bodies you know, to overcome some things. And we put our kids in these little bubbles and they don't know how to handle anything. And you know, whether we like it or not, one of these days they're going to be faced with some challenges. And I can't believe all the people that I've worked with out at the distribution center, young people that come out there and they cannot handle the work one bit because it's a physical job and they can't handle it and yet we've got people out other people out there in their 40s and 50s from another generation that can work circles around these young kids you know why because they were they were raised completely different and you know i i'm not going to sacrifice my kids being able to run around and play and climb trees so i can have internet but people do that all the time. I want the, I want those conveniences. I want I want to be you know where I can have all these things, and it's hurting. It's hurting people. It's hurting their health. They don't know how to work. They don't know how to do anything. And I'm not saying it's a sin to live in town. I understand you know if you have to live in town. I understand that. But man, if you could, you need to understand though what some of the challenges can be with that, and what you're asking from your children and you got to overcome that. My kid, you know, I, one, I, my kids, if they want during the summertime, you know, we're able to camp out in our backyard. They can they can set up a tent, and I don't have to worry about them getting kidnapped. You know, I don't have to, you know, we've we've got a camper that we've set up out there, and we let them spend the night. And they need to be in the outdoors. They need to experience these things. And the, the normal American family is not doing that. 
I can't imagine raising my child in the city. Can you imagine living in Chicago? I mean, first of all, look how much everything costs. And then those kids, they can't go play outside. Well, they can't. They might get shot. They might, you, know, you might not ever see them again. And it's, it's not healthy. And, you know, it's time. We as Christians decide what we really want for our families. You know, if you want what the world has, then do what the world is doing, but you're going to get the same things. I want my, for my family the same thing that God wants. And if that's you, you're, you're going to have to do what the Bible says. And this absolutely can still be done in America. You might just have to do a little extra work. There, said so there are clear. I mean, I'm going to tell you there are some sacrifices to having a big family, but I believe it's worth it. There are some sacrifices to you know getting a house out in the country. I got to spend a lot of time. Well. <laughs> I don't spend that much time doing yard work, but my boys spend a lot of time doing yard work. You know, it, uh, you know, I, I I do some too. There's a lot of work that goes into it. There's a lot of upkeep, but I'm telling you, I need that work for them for them to do. They need that work to do, and I can't do that if I live in a little apartment somewhere. And it, if you live in an apartment, you're not sinning. That's not that's not a sin. But at the same time, it's a another challenge that's hard to overcome it's not, it's not going to be easy you know if you, you know, if you have to say, if you're not able to homeschool your kids i'm not saying you're sinning but there are going to be some extra challenges and i think that we it's important as christians that we seek you know hey can we live differently than the world does can we overcome these things and i and i'm not going to tell you this my, my wife does most of the work Homeschooling is a huge challenge. It is a huge amount of stress. I will admit it, but I believe the end result of it, it's going to be well worth it because I don't want to deal with the same problems that the world's dealing with their kids. I don't want that. And I don't think I'm so special and my kids are so special that I can send them into that and they're not going to be affected by it in a negative way. And I, I think that all of us, you know, ought to do our best to have these things in our family. We don't have to do what everybody else is doing. We don't have to eat what everybody else is eating and drink what everybody else is drinking and, you know, do everything that the government says that we ought to do. And it, I think it's crazy that more and more people in our government now are saying that everybody has to get shots. Okay? Listen, if you want to get your kids shots, I don't. I you have the right to do that. I go up, go right ahead. My kids, they've had most of their shots and things. Probably, you know, probably shouldn't have, but they have. But I have a problem when the government has this one size fits all. It's not for everybody. They're not good for everybody. There are some people have negative reactions to those things. It, it causes, and I believe people ought to have a choice. And. This idea that this is how everybody's doing it, and this is how we're going to do it, we've got to learn to reject those things. We got to be like Joshua. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I know all the other kids are watching. You know, all the other parents let their kids watch this TV show. I know it's. I know this kind of program is completely acceptable in American culture, but it's not acceptable in my culture. 
It's not acceptable in my house. I know everyone else is living this way. I know everyone else is educating their kids this way, raising their kids this way, growing up in this type of environment. But we've just got to recognize a lot of these things aren't working. And it makes sense that the government is going to try to get everybody close together. Okay? If you're the government and you pretty much own the land, the more people you can get in a small space, well, that's more tax money you can get. I guarantee you what I'm paying on my taxes for my three acres isn't even close to what three acres around here is going for in taxes with all the houses that are on it. So think, you know, Sterling could get a lot more money you know, per acre if they have everybody living close together. You know, and boy, you know, it'd be nice to be able to mow my yard in 20 minutes. You know, it'd be uh, nice not having to do as much upkeep and stuff. But you know what? I'll take the work because my kids need it. Kids aren't allowed to go out and get jobs at 13 and 14 years old. And even at 16, when they're allowed to get a job, they're not allowed to do hardly anything. They're not allowed to work that hard. You know, they're not allowed to be around anything that could be dangerous. Man, hard work is the most healthy. It is the best thing is, is character building for kids. And, you know, uh, you know, and thankfully, too, like if your kids are in public school, too, you know, you can, you know, they've got sports and things sometimes that they can do to, you know, at least get them doing something, get them busy. You know, Michelle Obama, she's got her let's move thing that she's always trying to push, you know, and they get kids to go out and, you know, walk for a quarter mile, you know, and <laughs> to fight obesity. Well, here, you know, here's the thing. You go out and you get a house out in the country or something, that's real easy. They do that every day. And these things that I'm talking about, you know, if you don't do it that way, it's, I'm not saying it's a sin. But at the same time, if you're trying to raise godly kids, healthy kids, you know, happy, doing things like everyone else is doing in America, we've just got to see it's not working. And we've got to see if we can't overcome these. And to raise a good family in this culture you are going to have to do some extra work. It's going to be, you're going to have, it's going to cost you more. Nothing's free. And nothing's easy. And so you got to ask yourself, you know, do I want to do what everybody else is doing or am I going to make the extra effort, make the sacrifices, and make this happen for my family? And I, I really, I tell you, these things are important. And uh, I said, it breaks my heart what, what young kids have to deal with, the peer pressure that they're dealing with. I don't know how to tell people to deal with that because the truth is I never had to deal with that. My kids haven't had to deal with those things. I think it would be best if they just didn't have to deal with it. And so if you can find a way to make that work, I think you'll be glad that you did, and I think it, I think it would be worth it. So, With that, let's all stand together. Thank <clears throat> you.